Thank you. Even just being able to um, pray like that is just a reminder of how blessed we are to be able to gather together and to be able to just pray openly and freely. And um, I was just as our group was praying, like uh, just thinking of the shoeboxes even, you know, just brought to that, what can we do? You know, we can pray for these persecuted churches, but we are, there's so many things that we can do um, from here, we can bless others. We've been, my dad, when he goes to Africa, used to say, we're the haves and they're the have-nots, you know? And just that reminder, we have so much. And um, what a blessing. Um, and it's been great to get to know this church and, and your love of missions, just how uh, much you do to, to reach the ends of the earth with the gospel. So this morning we're getting back into Colossians. Um, we're going to kind of pick up where we um, left off there last time two weeks ago, um, and really, but really zoom in on something that we right at the end of last week, um, and that was forgiveness. I want to talk a little bit more about forgiveness. This whole series on Colossians we've been looking at, just establishing a foundation for us as a church. A foundation on Jesus. This was a letter that Paul wrote um, that for a church that had gotten off track and they'd, they'd kind of gotten swallowed up by the world and pulled away. And so Paul's writing this letter, just pouring out his heart and calling them to remind them of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And then what kind of life we're to live then. And so last week we looked at, you know, the kind of the old life that we're putting off and then the new life that we're putting on. And just as a refresher here, this was the, the verse kind of at the end of last, last time. Colossians three twelve to 14. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. I'm getting feedback on you. In perfect harmony. And we've talked a lot about our own relationship with God and how we're looking to um, live out the Christian life. And we put on these things and these character qualities of compassion and humility and these different things, right? And putting off the earthly things um, and it's been talking a lot about our personal relationship with God. And, uh, but these things, as we touched on last week, we also relate to one another, right? It's not just us. Our faith isn't just personal. God's called us together to be a body, right? And so that's where we kind of left off there last time was, was with this, that it's not just we put on these, these the fruits of the Spirit, but then we have to bear with one another, we have to forgive one another. We have to love one another. Right? And because God calls us to not only live this life out individually, but to live it out as a church, right? He calls us to live out this Christian life. And so really why I wanted to go a little bit deeper into forgiveness is, as we talked about last week, that the, the forgiveness is built on love. That's the point, right? We talked about God being, and we'll get into it more this morning, God being the example of forgiveness for us, for God so loved the world. The purpose of forgiveness is so that we can love. And so the, you cannot truly love somebody if there's unforgiveness. Say that one again. You can't truly love someone if 
there's unforgiveness. And so for us to be the church that God wants us to be, in order to be able to love one another, that love that binds everything together, we have to forgive. We have to forgive. And so before we start, um, I'd like to just take a moment, just to some uh, time to pray, um, just to give you a moment of silence, just to kind of pray. And, and really, we know that this can be something that it's so easy in our flesh to think of somebody else. It's so easy to think someone else who needs to hear it. But we want God to speak to us, right? What is he trying to say to us? And so just a moment just to prepare our own hearts and to pray that God would speak through me, that I'd say only his words. Because it's also, there's a danger in, in a topic like this where it can come across as, as uh, something that man made and, and trying to make a point that's not from him. So we'll take a moment to pray quietly. You can pray quietly in your hearts for that. And then I'll start us in the Lord's Prayer, and, and we can pray the Lord's Prayer together. Okay. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Yes, and so right there we have in this model of prayer, um, forgive us as we forgive those who trespass against us. Right? We have this model, and what we're going to talk about this morning is biblical forgiveness, godly forgiveness, Christ-like forgiveness, because it's different than, different than the world. It's this that sets biblical forgiveness apart from the way the world understands forgiveness. See, if you take God out of the picture, then forgiveness becomes um, self, self-serving, if you will. Right? It, it's, it, and there's a lot of benefits to forgiveness, right, as humans, and the world's understood that. But as Christians, we forgive because we've been forgiven. If you think about it from a, a worldly point of view, we talked about last week, the point of forgiveness is reconciliation. That's the goal we're going for, that there be restored relationship. But if, there's, if God's not in the picture, I mean, to be honest, sometimes maybe we, in our flesh we don't want to have a relationship with that person. Have you ever heard it said, you know, you know what, I really don't want anything to do with them. I don't care if I ever see them again. Right? And from, so from a worldly perspective, sometimes it doesn't make sense to forgive because you don't want to have a relationship. You don't want to rebuild anything. Or maybe they don't deserve it. Right? Maybe they don't care if you forgave them or not. Maybe they don't even want your forgiveness. See, if, if, without God in the picture, those things, may, there'd be times where it, it, forgiveness doesn't make sense, where you wouldn't do it. But as Christians, we're called to forgive because we were forgiven. 
because we are forgiven. And so we do it out of obedience. And so this morning we're going to look at that Christian forgiveness, biblical forgiveness, Christ-like forgiveness, because we need to look to the scriptures, to God as the example, because if we rely on our own flesh, we're not going to find it. You know what I mean? We can't understand his forgiveness without looking to him. And so that's the goal this morning. Um, and so just to start real, real kind of high level, um, if I was just to kind of do a survey of the, the Old Testament, um, this would be the verse that would kind of point to forgiveness. We look to, to God as the example of forgiveness, right? And this, this is quoted, you know, in different, slightly different forms, about eight times in the Old Testament. It's the, it was our open to worship. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. And you think of the Old Testament stories and the Israelites and how many times they turned their back on God and rebelled against them. And every time when they repented and came back to him, he is willing to forgive them and love them again as a nation. And, and God doesn't change, right? He's unchanging. And so this is the same for us as well. We look to God as an example. There's no limit to his forgiveness. He will always forgive. And then in the New Testament... In the New Testament, of course, we have the greatest example of forgiveness ever. When God himself came and humbled himself as a baby, right, took on flesh, lived that perfect human life and without sin, and then died for sin, not his own. You know, died for our sin, took the punishment so that we could be forgiven. And so uh, there's, there's countless verses in the New Testament. You can probably think of some. I just picked this one because it's part of our Colossians series. This was back in chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. And so we look to Jesus. If we want to try and understand Christian forgiveness, biblical forgiveness, we look to God. We look to Jesus as this ultimate example of forgiveness in order to understand it. And so we see again the verse that we already read. Then out of that, we understand that, that forgiveness for a Christian is bearing with one another, forgiving each other as the Lord forgave you, so you must also forgive. Once again, we, we follow that example. We forgive because we've been forgiven. And so we talked a little bit about this last time, too, that uh, we, to understand that forgiveness, that the why. Why do we forgive? What's the point? We said that forgiveness, the purpose of forgiveness is restored relationship. And relationships are built on love. And you cannot truly love if there's unforgiveness. Say that one again. The purpose of forgiveness is restored relationship. And relationships are built on love. And you can't truly love someone if there's unforgiveness. I kind of gave this definition last, last time. Forgiveness is choosing to put aside whatever it is that's hindering you from loving the person that hurt you. Right? That's forgiveness, just like Jesus did for us. And so with that definition, I just want to spend a few moments to go through and kind of look at the difference between biblical forgiveness and kind of worldly forgiveness. Okay, to kind of give us a picture, we'll take this definition, understanding that we forgive because we've been forgiven, that the, the purpose is relationship and to be able to love. 
And so what does that look like then? Well, first off, forgiveness is a choice. It's a choice in obedience to God for us as Christians. That it's not a feeling. There's feelings associated with it. We have to deal with our feelings. But forgiveness is a choice, just like love is a choice. And so what this means is that we don't wait for the feelings to get there. We don't wait until we're to a place where we feel like we can forgive. We forgive because God commanded us to forgive out of obedience. And the amazing thing is that as we obey, we will discover that God will then heal the hurts, right? That the feelings come after. That if we want to be healed of that, that hurt in our feelings, we need to obey first. And it's out of that obedience we see that. So when we look, what it might look like, and I mentioned this last time too, but you can do the person that hurts you, what does that look like? So you come and you see them, and you're going to have feelings well up. And you're going to have that anger, resentment, bitterness, whatever it was, the hurt that they caused is going to come up. And you're going to have to make a choice in that moment. And you make a choice, and you say, I'm going to put those things aside in order to love them. And then you're going to do your best to then love them. You're going to act in a loving way. And then the next time you see them, you know what's going to happen. Those same emotions are going to come up, hopefully a little bit less, right? And you're going to have to choose again to put those feelings aside and choose to act in a way that is loving and work towards reconciliation. And one other thing that can help that is prayer. Um, in if you've ever, anybody's you've probably heard this before or may have heard this before, but um, when you have a difficulty with a hurt, with forgiving somebody, commit to pray for them every day. And uh, if you can't, it's really hard not to, it's really hard to hold bitterness when you're honestly seeking God every day that God's, that they would live the best life God has for them, that that's your honest desire and your honest prayer. It's really hard to hold bitterness. And so we can, we, we are obedient in forgiveness. So the first one, it's a choice in obedience. We pray and we seek um, to forgive even when we don't feel it. And then the healing comes as we're obedient to it. Another difference is forgiveness doesn't depend on the other person. Right? Forgiveness is a choice that you make. And that means that whether they accept it or not, whether they want it or not, right? whether they deserve it or not, just think, I put this verse down. Remember, we're looking at God as the example, Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his love for us in this way, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, right? While we were still sinners, how amazing is it that Jesus didn't wait until we cleaned ourselves up first and tried to make amends, make it right, because we never could, right? We never could. And so, while we were still sinners, and so it doesn't depend on the other person, right? We forgive. It's a choice that we make a choice to love them. And whatever that context is, we seek to love them. And so we put those feelings aside, we put those things aside, and we say, God, I'm going to seek to love them and to reconcile that relationship. Thirdly, forgiveness requires action. Requires action. If you've ever heard you know, someone say, well, I, I forgave them, so now I can move on. I'm at peace with it. You know, I've made peace. I'm fine. You know, they can, and I'm just going to move on. But it's missing the whole point, right? 
the whole point of forgiveness is reconciliation. The whole point is that you'd have rebuild that relationship and you'd seek to love the person. And so um, forgiveness requires action. We need to act in a way of lo- that is loving. It might start in your head with a decision where you have to get your own heart right, right? And to say that you're going to forgive them. But then we need to take action. We need to act in love. We need to actually take steps towards how are we going to forgive this person and act in a loving way. And this, again, the beauty of this is that through this obedience to this, even though I know it's hard, I know it's hard to step forward, especially, I don't know, if we've probably all been in a situation before where the other person didn't really care. They didn't seem to want your forgiveness. They didn't want your love, right? And that's really hard when you're, you're trying, but, but God doesn't ask you to make them love you, to make them accept it. He asks you to do what you can. And the beauty of it is that you'll find, again, healing and reconciliation when you do what God is asking you to do. You act in a way that is loving and seek them, seek, seek forgiveness. Mm-hmm. One more misconception about forgiveness or one thing that sets biblical forgiveness apart is forgiveness doesn't mean that there aren't consequences. You know, sometimes we look at that, we think forgiveness is just going to let them off the hook, you know, that kind of a thing. And, uh, and, but uh, because we remind ourselves that the foundation of forgiveness is love, right? Sometimes the most loving thing we can do is allow there to be consequences, right? And we know this if you're parents, we know this quite well, you know, if your kids have ever come up to you and said a really, you're the meanest mummy in the whole world ever, you know, or something, right? And you forgive them for that, we know they right, but there might still be consequences, right? We need to, out of love, we teach our kids that that's not okay, right? It's not okay to say that. That's not the kind of attitude we want to have. But at the same time, and we think, and I just put the verse in there from Hebrews, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves, right? And so we can, God does this to us too, right? Even though we've been forgiven of our sin, we've been given eternal life, there's still consequences to our sin. And often God uses those consequences to grow us and to shape us and to teach us. Um, and of course, in this one, though, we need to be careful. It needs to be balanced with grace, right? How amazing is it that God didn't give us what we deserve, right? By his mercy, we weren't punished fully for the sin. We have some consequences for the sins we do, but the sin, that rebellion against God, has been totally and completely forgiven, covered by his grace. And... Um, and so when we interact with others, we need to be thinking that as well. Where can we offer grace? And again, it just comes down to how can I best love this other person? As I was thinking about this one too, I also thought about for ourselves that sometimes when we've done something and there's consequences, um, we want to push back. You know, our immediate reaction is to try and not get the consequence. And you know, I, I was thinking speeding tickets, you know, that maybe the next time there's some kind of a ticket like that. We think, Lord, what are you trying to teach me here? Right? Maybe this is a good thing. Maybe this is uh, something I needed. Maybe I need to take a lesson from whatever this consequence is to, uh, to what I've done. And Because uh, God cares more about our hearts, right? And he looks to shape us.
And so I hope that gives you just a picture of forgiveness. We start to get an idea of, of Christian forgiveness is different. We forgive because we've been forgiven. And so to really show this, we're going to look at a parable that Jesus told. And so if you want to turn in your Bibles, it'll be on the screen too, but to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, starting at verse 21. So we have a parable, and Jesus is interacting with his disciples, and Peter's kind of asking the same question that we're asking this morning. He's, he's asking this question, he's trying to figure out, like, what is forgiveness? Why do we forgive? What's the goal of forgiveness? Godly, biblical forgiveness. Verse 21, then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times, or 70 times seven times. Um, and so Peter's asking that same thing. He looks at it, and he's got this understanding of forgiveness. It, during the, the time period, there was rabbis who taught, you, you forgive three times. And so you forgive them three times. If they offend you the same way for the fourth time, you don't have to forgive them anymore. There's a limit. Very worldly way to think. And I think we would kind of feel that way too. If someone continually just does the same thing against us, how many times from a worldly perspective at some point we would go, hey, there's, there's no more forgiveness left for this. It's, but, and so Peter, I think he's starting to get the hang of Jesus in his teaching. He's thinking, okay, this is Jesus always goes over and above. So let's do double it and add one. Go to the perfect number seven. And uh, how about seven times, Jesus? And then Jesus is going to respond with this parable, and he's going to completely give a whole different perspective on forgiveness, which is what we've been talking about this morning. A whole different way of thinking about it. 23. Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. Who's the king? Hmm? Who's the king? It's a parable, so who does the king represent? God, yes. Yes, the king represents God and the servants represent us. All right. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. I'll give you an idea. A talent was worth about 20 years' wages for a laborer. One talent. So you do the math, 10,000 times 20 years. This guy owes 200,000 years' wages to this master right? That's obviously a debt that he could never pay, not in a hundred thousand lifetimes doubled, right? This is a debt far too great that he could ever pay. Sound familiar? We had a debt we couldn't pay. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and payment be made. It's, uh, I mean, that's a death sentence, really, right? Like, uh, even with that, even with everything he owns being sold and himself into slavery or prison and everything, it wouldn't even come, and, and for the rest of his life until they died and his whole family, they wouldn't even come close to making a dent on that 200, that 10,000 talents. But the master here is simply going, these are the wages. This is the payment that is due for that. This is the repercussions. This is the consequences of that debt. This master is just following the law. You know, this person, this servant was liable for this debt. 
And this is, if he gave everything he had for the rest of his life, that's basically what that's saying, you know, it still wouldn't be enough. Uh, if you think for us, think of that verse, the wages of sin is death, right? There's, there's, there's payment, there's consequences to our sin. And, if, and it would be everything, an eternal death, an eternal separation from God is, is the payment for our sin against the, our rebellion against the holy God. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I'll pay you everything. <laughs> I'll pay you everything. Can he pay him everything? No, he can't. But what else is he going to say? What else can he say? Right? There's no, there's no, he's got no option. All he can do is try, I guess, you know. And I just thought, how many times do we try to, do, do we try to earn God's forgiveness? Right? Oh, God, I'll, I'll earn it. I'll earn it. I can do it. I can do it. Okay. And God's just looking like this master, and he's going, look at you can't, you could work in 200,000 lifetimes, you're not going to get there, right? You can't earn it. You can't earn it. But sometimes we're the same as the servant. We try, we think we can. But obviously the master knows it's not possible. So out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him all that debt. And it's just amazing that the master can even do that. The master can do that because of his infinite resources. Even though it's 10,000 talents, it's nothing to the master, obviously. The, this is nothing, right? He's out, he has infinite resources, just like God has his infinite grace that he's offering to us. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So a denarius was one day's wages for a laborer. So 100 days wages, like three, three and a half months salary um, is what this guy was owed. Um, so is that, is that a significant amount of money? Three and a half months pay? That's a, that's a pretty good amount. I mean, compared to 200,000 years worth, it's nothing. But in terms of that servant's life, three and a half months pay, that's a lot of money. You know, that's significant. And I wanted to mention that because I've heard this preached on before and they talk about, oh, it was just, you know, the pittance be compared to the thing. But I want to acknowledge that our hurts are real. Right? That forgiveness, if forgiveness, if it was only 20 bucks, forgiveness would be easy every time, right? But our hurts and the offenses are bigger than that. They are significant. And it's what makes forgiveness hard is that they are significant, but when we compare it to the forgiveness we've received, right, then all of a sudden, with that right perspective, that's when we start to see that there's no comparison. Right? There's nothing that we can't forgive. And you see how the, the, the servant here responded, grabs him by the scruff of the neck and starts to, pay me what you owe, right? There's that emotion we talked about, right? These hurts, these things, this, it, it has emotion. It affects us. It's real. You know, it's not nothing. Right? And that's that emotion that we have to choose to put aside. That's the emotion that through obedience God heals. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. Exact same thing the servant said to the king, Right? But this time, this is actually possible. You know, he actually could pay back three and a half months. But the unmerciful servants, it says, he refused and went out and put him in prison 
until he should pay the debt. Now, I just want you to notice here that put in prison, that's just him again. He's just following the law, just like the king did. He's, you can't just put someone in prison because you feel like it, right? He would have had to go and go to the police nowadays, right, and lay a charge and show the contract, and he's broken it by this time, and have him arrested and put him in. He's, he's following the law according to this broken contract. But when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and they reported to their master all that had taken place. Then this master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And you should not have had mercy, or should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers, or to be torturers until he should pay all his debt. Now, I think the question I want to ask here as we come to the end of this parable is, why was the master so mad? This is the key. If you think about it, the unmerciful servant didn't do anything contrary to the law. He was owed a debt, and based on the rules, the law, He had that other servant put in prison until he could pay it back according to the law. He didn't try and seek revenge behind his back. He didn't think he went to the the authorities and had him put in prison until he could pay the debt. It's all on the books. Right? Why was the master so mad? Or, Or if you think about it, really, the master really didn't have anything to do with this. This was a deal between these two servants. Right? Between them. It really had nothing to do with the master. So what made him so angry? You know? It helps us understand that forgiveness isn't conditional on the offense. It doesn't matter if we're the ones in the wrong, isn't if they deserve it. It doesn't matter if they're not sorry or if they'll even care if we forgive. Those things make sense from the world's point of view. That's the contract that he's looking to. But we all felt it when you read that. Like, what? We felt it. What? How could you not forgive? You were just forgiven 200,000 years. You can't forgive the guy. You know, we all resonated with that until we start thinking about it, you know, until you try and put yourself in that, that servant's shoes and he's going, I'm just following the law. This is the contract. He broke it. You know, what's the big deal? We justify it. Why was the servant, so why was the master so mad? He was so mad because how our willingness to forgive shows how much we value the forgiveness we receive. That's the key. That's the key. That's why the master said, I forgave you all that dead. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant? That's the key, and that's why forgiveness is so at the heart of Jesus and what he wants to do in the church and what he wants us to be as people. It's why it's so central. You go find almost any passage on the church and what he's communicating, 
forgive as you've been forgiven. Forgive as you've been forgiven. Because it communicates something. It says, it shows how much we value the forgiveness that we've received. And if you notice there in verse 31, when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they went and told the master. It's our witness. We talk about a Jesus who came to save and to, no matter what you've done, you think of the Apostle Paul, murderer and everything, right? And Jesus, for the worst of sinners, he calls himself. We proclaim a Jesus who is willing to forgive anything, anything we've done. There's no sin too great that he won't forgive. And so what does it say when we won't? What are we communicating about a Jesus that will forgive anything when we're saying he's good enough to forgive me but not you? No. That's why forgiveness is so, so near to the heart of God. And Jesus ends it by saying, so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you don't forgive your brother from the heart. The point is this, is that forgiveness, the forgiveness we've received, the grace we've, been re- we've received, it should change us. It should change our hearts. That's why we can forgive from the heart. It changes our hearts. And when we have a changed heart, then we're willing to forgive. We forgive because we've been forgiven because it should change our hearts. And so to look again at our verse there from Colossians, with everything we've talked about, with that perspective of what Jesus has done for us, why we forgive, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, right? I know forgiveness is hard, and there's so much hurt, and there's so much emotion associated with it. But the beautiful thing is that the biblical picture of forgiveness that it's calling us to is the whole point of it is it's so that we can love, right? And that's where the harmony can come. If we're willing to forgive, if we're willing to do the hard thing and go and look to reconcile to, to ask for forgiveness where we've wronged, to look to put aside where we've been wronged and still seek to love the person that hurt us, right? Even if they don't seem to be showing it. That out of that, that is when the beauty of love comes, right? When we seek love together, the beauty of love that binds it all together in beautiful, perfect harmony. I, uh, here for, what, two months now, I think, maybe? And, uh, um, God called me out of, out of, uh, work and world, you know? I was happily serving in my church and working a nine-to-five, and, and uh, I believe God called me here. And I've had people ask me, why here on chapel? And I don't really have a good answer. I think God told me to. Yeah. And so for me, for two months in, I'm going like, why did you, I'm seeking the Lord, what, what are you, why did you call me here? Why did you call me here at this time? I believe that a member, how do you mention member this morning? Simple definition of a member. God has called you to a specific place for a specific time, at a specific time, for a specific purpose. That's a member of a church. That's simple, right? And he did that for me. And so I've been seeking that. 
And I just want to share with you there, here on Chapel Family, that I really believe um, now that this is what God has us focusing on, that God has incredible things that he would like to do with us, he'd like to lead us, and, but he can't or won't do it if we're not willing to forgive until there is, we seek unity and love together, until we are looking to be the body, to be the church that he wants us to be. We're not going to be able to step into what he wants us to do. And I firmly believe that. And so um, I just encourage us today that if there's anything, anything that uh, you need to make right, that you'd take some time, that you'd um, look to spend some time in prayer and talk to him, is there anybody that you need to, to reconcile with? Either someone who's offended you, a hurt you need to, to look to forgive and put aside and look to re-engage that relationship. Or maybe it's someone you've offended and you need to go to them and apologize and seek forgiveness. I really encourage you to do that and find healing that God gives and find, find a rekindle a love and harmony. And then as I also just wanted to speak to, um, if there's anybody here that as I've talked this morning, if you haven't experienced that forgiveness that Jesus offers, you haven't had your 200,000 years wages of debt, you know, wiped clean. Um, Jesus would love to offer you that forgiveness this morning. If you're tired of trying to, to make it and trying to figure out this life on your own, Jesus would love to meet you and uh, offer you that forgiveness freely. No matter what you've done, there's nothing, no sin too great that he isn't, hasn't already paid for. Amen. Just this verse, if we confess our sins, we confess our sins. That's that dead sin's just rebellion against God. Just doing it your own way. We confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So let's be doers of the word. Who is God telling you to forgive or reconcile with this week? Just like last week, we talked about those things that we throw off, that we kill dead now. Right? Um, I just, Ephesians 4.26, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, and don't give the devil a foothold, you know? The devil gets a foothold when we put it off. We justify it in some way, and it's so easy. We all know we do it as humans. Guilty, you know, that uh, you look to do things, whatever God's laying on your heart, whatever the Holy Spirit has said, that you commit to doing something about it. Oh, Jesus, we thank you for your forgiveness. For your example of forgiveness. To leave glory, to be willing to humble yourself, to the point of death on a cross, for the very people you created. What love, what great love you show. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know that love, that doesn't know that forgiveness, that they would accept this forgiveness, this grace that you so freely offer. Simply pray to you and ask that you would forgive them for trying to be their own God, trying to be their own master. Lord, we want you to be our master. We ask for forgiveness for all the times that we've 
giving you a bad name by not forgiving. Lord, we want to be a witness for you. We want people to see what your forgiveness is as we demonstrate it. We want them to know what your love is as we demonstrate it with one another. Give us your heart, Jesus. Give us your courage. Give us your eyes to see. And let us encourage one another as we move forward. As a church, see what you have for each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank mm-hmm. you.